Oh, I'm a pansy. I think a lot of people were saying that about Hillary Clinton as well. Need someone to explain that to me to make it make sense. People brag about it. It's the Wild West. It's gotten to the point now where it's just not. Light this bitch up. Welcome back to Caligula. Episode eight, Ray. Yes, it is. How are you? How are you today, my friend? Um, doing good. It's hour two. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I have to turn off the air, the heat when we record because it's too loud and it's starting to get cold here. But um, my pants are on and I'm zipped up, so I think I'm going to be fine. Mm, yeah, it's very hot here. <laughs> it is. Yes. In my office, 29.1, according to my little thermometer, which is uh, 84.4 F. You know who we are? You're the heat miser, and I'm the freeze miser from that show, that cartoon. Hmm. Got no uh, idea what you're talking oh, about. You gotta look, oh, you got to look that up. Anyway, I'll, I'll send you a clip. Never mind. For, for all the Americans out there who are of a please, certain age, heat miser. Please don't. Okay, that's hurt, Yeah, please don't. Hurtful. Yeah. Now, uh, at the end of the last episode, we were talking about the, the one camp behind Caligula whispering in his ear, guiding him with wisdom, yeah. it would appear, yeah. was the camp of Macro, the Praetorian prefect, and Solanus, right. his father-in-law, the first man in the Senate, yeah. highly respected by all, including Tiberius, yes. before he died. Uh, the other camp is... Caligula's inner circle, his sisters. They had all survived the Tiberius years. They'd lost both of their parents and two of their brothers. Uh, And they must have spent all of those years with the sword of Damocles hanging above their heads. Yes. Do you know the story of the sword of Damocles, Ray? Is that someone's talking to a leader and he's like, I like to have your position or something. He goes, to have my position, you have to sit here under this chair and there's a sword mm. tied mm. with two, one or two wow. strings over his head. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's like, mm. the equivalent of ruling. That's all I know. Mm. Sorry, I didn't mean that's to. That's it? Yeah. No. no, very good. I'm sure i got to sit down. I'm shocked that you actually got that right. It was, um, yeah, Damocles was a subject of King Dionysus. Right. And he said he'd love to trade places with him. Mm. And it was Dionysus that said, sure, you can do it, but I'm going to tie this sword above your head right. held, held by a thread yes. and it could snap at any time. And after a while, uh, Damocles went, you know what? I want to go back yeah. to my old life. Yeah. yeah. I'm good. Uh, guess, guess who uh, first told that story? Well, the oldest version of it that we have yeah. is in uh, Cicero. Really? Our old mate Dickero. He said he got it from someone else, but uh, right. yeah, the oldest version of it we have is by Dickero. Nice. I'm glad that mm. um, Book Hunter was able to find his works. All those yeah, Poggio Bracciolini, exactly, probably all those years later. Yeah. Now, uh, by adopting Gamellus uh, as his heir, son, heir, uh, Caligula had given. Conspirators, I guess, an option. Right. If he turned, if it turned out, surprisingly, right. that giving a 
24-year-old kid all of the power over everyone and to make him a princeps beyond the reach of the law turned out to be a bad idea. Right. They said, we've always got a backup option. We've got an even younger kid who was raised as a prince and has done even less. But in his favour... He was born on the 10th of October. And we know that people born on the 10th of October, uh, which includes, by the way, David Lee Roth and uh, yours truly, are very, very special people. Yes. So they they had that. Right. You know, they they had Gamelis as a backup. Yes. Ooh, that's a good point. Uh, They got a plan B if they need it. Yes. Now, uh, so the, 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 the... Seems to have been these two camps trying to influence Caligula from the get-go. One camp, the Macro Solanus camp, the other camp, the sister camp. Right. Now, he was very close to all of his sisters, yeah, and by was. close, I mean <laughs> fucking... He was in them, uh, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, you can't get any closer. Uh, and he apparently had the most affection, though, for his sister Drusilla. Right. Well, she was the As hottest we know, from the movie. Oh, I mean, smoking <laughs> hot. I mean, I don't think we saw much of the other sisters. Didn't need to, my friend. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Well, you bring up an interesting point because by the time Caligula rocks up to Rome, Solanus, like you said, he's the most respected man in Rome. The other guy's got the, the in charge of the Praetorian Guard and the, and the military. I get all that. And they're older, wiser, they're, they're probably trying to help this kid stay moderate because he is 24 years old. But whenever there's a new power in town, it doesn't matter that they are the ones who got him there. It doesn't matter that they are the equivalent of the deep, deep state. Every emperor, every ruler, every whatever comes in and they're going to bring somebody with them, whether it's a family member, whether it's a best friend, they're going to bring someone they can just talk to so they don't have to feel lonely. They're going to bring an advisor, whatever. So there's going to be some kind of change. There's going to be some kind of transition. There's, there's got to be some kind of alteration. And there's going to be two camps. Do they get along? Do they have to get along? What happens if they don't get along? But the point is, I think both sides were probably staring at each other going, you help him, I help him, but that doesn't mean we get along or we have to like each other or trust each other. So there, there is potential for tension and intrigue because you have because every everybody every leader comes in and brings somebody with them. They don't just cut everybody off. They come up with someone. They come up with someone, and now you've got more than a few people advising this very young, inexperienced emperor. Now, apparently, one of the theories around the story that he he and Drusilla were lovers right might uh, I mean a it might have been because he often was seen having his dick inside of her <laughs> that's, I mean that's one theory one right are you lovers no what gives you that impression well your, your dick's inside of well, what well are you a yes but that's just because it's you, Batman it's, it's cold <laughs> right. it's gotta put it's it somewhere a- <laughs> um I read another theory, though, right. that it may have had something to do with the dining habits of the Romans. Oh. It was it was customary for husband and wife to hold the positions of honour at banquets in their residence. They right. would, you know, lie beside each other on their dining lounges. Sure. When you had a young bachelor, like Caligula was at this stage, uh, yeah. as the head of the household, 
The female position of honour was traditionally held by his sisters in rotation. Right. In this case, Caligula still had Agrippina the Younger, Drusilla and Julia Lavilla. Mm-hmm. They should take turns. But Caligula apparently broke with tradition and reserved the place of honour only for Drusilla. Gotcha. And so they, this may have led to the rumour that they were husband and wife or, or lovers. We don't really know. Um, all we know is that she was 20 years old right. when um, he became emperor. Uh, he was 24, she was 20, and that uh, Teresa Ann Savoy, who played her in the film, was <laughs> smoking, smoking hot. That's all, we, right. that's all we know. But, that's all the history has to tell us. But but you're absolutely right. I mean, this goes back to episode number four after we after we did the film. I mean, there's a lot that we don't know about Caligula. There's a lot that people have gotten wrong about Caligula, whether it's on accident or purpose. And it could be simply because he enjoyed her company so much. He's not married. She gets favored by the position when they're eating. Rumors start. Rumors take on a life of their own. And then suddenly it gets somehow, because we've seen this happen before, it gets uh, carried over into history books. And then people are copying other people's works. And it becomes a fact. So we don't know what their true relationship was. And and it's just something to remember, just like a a lot of the other things we supposedly know about this guy might not be real. Just um, some very weird situations that get carried through the uh, through the history books. And, you know, it also may have been just gossip and slander sure. and propag- anti-Julio-Claudian propaganda. Ah. Yeah, but I, I like to think that it's true because it's just more fun. <laughs> it is fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, Tiberius had arranged for Drusilla, before he died, he'd arranged for her to marry Lucius Cassius Longinus. Right. Uh, but they were now divorced by order of Caligula. Yeah. He was like, mm, no, nah, no. I don't like sharing you with this guy. Uh, y- you're mine now. Right. Suetonius writes, he lived in habitual incest with all his sisters. And at a large banquet, he placed each of them in turn below him while his wife reclined above. Mm. This is, uh, he had various wives that we'll get to uh, soon. Of these, he is believed to have violated Drusilla when he was still a minor and even to have been caught lying with her by his grandmother Antonia at whose house they were brought up in company. Afterwards, when she was the wife of Lucius Cassius Longinus, an ex-consul, he took her from him and openly treated her as his lawful wife. Right. Is it violation if she's willing? And I'm not trying to start anything here, but again, you have to be careful with the words that these historians use because they're purposefully or not painting a picture with the words they choose. You have to, you know, you have to see past that sometimes. We can't assume that he's 100% right in every word that he chooses. Well, if he's three years older than her... Right. ...and he violated her when he was still a minor, which means he was under the age of 15 and hadn't taken the toga virilis, if he was 14... Right. ...she would have been 11. Okay. I see your point. Yeah. But we now, don't know. We don't know. Uh, you know, as people always tell me, you can't judge... <laughs> Just... ...the ancient world by modern standards... So I'm going to say that was fine. That was fine. <laughs> oh, 
incest as, as the we used most to intimate as we used to love. say yeah as we used to say in less politically correct times if there's grass on the pitch my friends play ball of course we can't say that wouldn't say that because it's terrible but you can't judge the 80s right by today's standards is what I'm exactly. saying because it's it was a different time yeah. we used to say that in the and the 80s that was okay yeah. Uh, to say that, right. not okay now. No. To say it or think it in thought or deed right. or, but, or, or yeah. but, podcast. It's okay to say it on a podcast. But that very act was probably okay back in their time. Uh, but you've got to think, I mean, they grew up in a crazy time with um, uh, their parents yeah. being dead. So they're probably highly dysfunctional. Who knows what happened? Come on. They, they lived through hell and back. Dead, uh, you know, in in exile, yeah, uh, yeah. murdered, Bruce brothers being exiled, yeah, murdered. starved to death, yeah. Now, uh, this uh, Longinus guy is interesting, but first of all, I want to say that um, apparently, yes. Uh, well, no, let me get back a step. So, this Longinus that she was married to, Lucius Cassius Longinus. Might have been related to the earlier Lucius Cassius Longinus, who was the brother of Gaius Cassius Longinus, the leading instigator in the assassination of Julius Caesar. Right. Huh. Mm. Surprised he'd still Mm -hmm. be alive, but who knows? So, yeah, it's just hard to tell because of so many similar names and we don't have all the records, I'm assuming. No, no. I said he was related to the guy who was the brother brother of him, not that he... Gotcha. Not that he was the guy. Right. Right. Okay. I don't think that was called. Now, of course, as we talked about, I remember in the in, uh, in the Julius Caesar series after the assassination, I pointed out that Longinus is also the name given in Christian tradition to the unnamed Roman soldier who pierced the side of Jesus with a lance. Right. And who then supposedly converted to Christianity. He, his name first appeared in the apocryphal gospel of Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. And the lance is called the Holy Lance. Right. And, uh, that Hitler took. You know, this is... That Hitler took. Yes. That's it. Yeah, from Austria. In the, a museum. The, the spear of destiny. Yes, it is. As it is sometimes yeah. referred Put that in your hands. You cannot be defeated, my friend. And I'm sure it's the same fucking piece of wood from 2,000 years ago. I have no doubt of that. Where's Indiana Jones? Yeah. 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 But he came to yeah, power still, and he took in- it. Hitler came to power and he Indiana- let someone take it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and and how did that work out for him? Um, did he, um, I don't think he had yeah. it in the right hand. I don't know. Ah, yeah, you got to hold it in the uh, right. uh, like a pen, and he had it in the left hand because mm. he was doing the, the Zig Heil, and it didn't work out mm. for him. I don't mm. know. Mm. You have to wonder about this legend. Like, why does it have magic powers? Because it stabbed Jesus. Yeah, shouldn't it be cursed instead of blessed? Right. You, you you would think. Yeah, what do I know? Um, <laughs> like, if I'd known yeah. <laughs> that by that that it, the the object that any object that you stab Jesus with would would take on oh, magical powers, right. I you know everyone would have been gathering around stabbing stabby, the stabby, shit out of him with everything jabby, jabby. pencils yeah yeah uh, you know yeah. just just uh, twe- right. tweezers right. <laughs> picking up. 
picking up twigs off the ground, stabbing Jesus with twigs. Ow! Damn it! Uh, I said, stop that. Quit stabbing yeah. me. Come on now. <laughs> that fucking hurts. <laughs> Shut up. You're a god. What do you know? You... I think if you stab Harry Potter, you god the powers. same thing happens, but I'm not sure. Oh, anyway. You get magic. But yeah, I've never understood why it was a good thing or it, was, it took on powers. And when if you would think that God went, you stabbed my son with what? Oh, fuck you. Yeah. All spears now will burn it in your hand. It should be cursed. Exactly. Yeah. It will burn in your it hand. If you pick it Curse, up. not give you magic healing right. powers. Uh, <laughs> but I've always wondered about, right. so Longinus, Cassius Longinus stabbed Caesar in the side, this you know, thing, stabbed uh, Jesus in the side, right. uh, uh, you know, whether this name was uh, concocted as a reference right. to Longinus who killed Caesar. Anywho, oh, Cassius as we good know point. Him. Anyway, uh, the theory is that uh, Caligula forced Drusilla to divorce Cassius Longinus so she could marry her second husband, Marcus Aemilius Lepidus. Yeah. Why? Well... I like the cut of his jib. We don't know. Yeah. Well, he liked the cut of his jib (laughs) and he liked the cut of his dick too because (laughs) Caligula and Lepidus were apparently lovers. Oh... Whether they were lovers before this or right. after this, I don't really know. But I, uh, maybe he was like, listen, Drusilla, <laughs> the only other person who's allowed to fuck you is the guy that I'm fucking. Right. Because then when he's fucking you, I'm kind it's of still fucking you. Right. Maybe it was a daisy chain right. scenario. Oh, that's romantic. Maybe they were into the they were into threesomes, MMF threesomes. <laughs> um, Throwing some incest. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. But it's just, it's all sexy. I, 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 I am getting turned just on. All, a bit. So sexy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I can picture Caligula going up to Lepidus and go, look, you, you like my sister? Oh, yeah, she's hot. Tell you what, I'm going to have her divorce that guy and marry you. Oh, oh, Caesar, thank you so much. Well, don't thank me. I mean, there's something you got to do first. What's the, you gotta, yeah, what's the catch? There is a catch. Uh, your butt cheeks need to catch my penis. Uh, does that make Actually, sense? the other way around. Because oh, really? as we'll see, oh, okay. well, as we'll see, yeah. According to some accounts, uh, Caligula liked being the bottom. I am not surprised. After the style of shoes I saw he wears, <laughs> I am not surprised. Anyway. God. Uh, you can relate. I can't. Um, <laughs> so, Lepidus. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Who was Lepidus, Ray? Oh, God. Um, I have only got a little bit on him, but, I mean, he certainly comes from the right stock of people. It's a very high-ranking family. And, in fact, there is a, an other connection to the imperial house because Lepidus's sister, Amelia, had been married to Caligula's elder brother, Drusus Caesar. But uh, Lepidus, he's the son of the consul, Lucius Aemilius Paulus. He's the great-grandson of Lucius Aemilius Lepidus Paulus, who was consul of 50 B.C., and the brother of the triumvir, Marcus Aemilius Lepidus. So this guy comes from the bluest of blue blood. So he's not just anybody. But so this guy's, you know, he's basically one percenter. And now he's a part, he's connected to the royal family. Well, there is some confusion over his genealogy. Right. But uh, there there is a suggestion that his mother may have been Julia the younger. Oh, shit. Julia, the, the younger slut. Right. Um, daughter of Agrippa and Julia, the oh. elder slut. Um, gotcha. Which would make her the sister of Agrippina, the elder right. mother of 
Caligula, <laughs> so Lepidus would be Caligula's cousin and lover. Uh, and now his brother-in-law. And sex partner. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing hot on fucking your cousin. Don't you dare use that. Uh, Don't you dare Rome use was that. basically Virginia. Um, <laughs> And it would make Lepidus the great-grandson of Augustus. Oh. But he might also have been the son of Marcus Aemilius Lepidus, the consul from 6 uh, CE, oh. who was the brother of Lucius Aemilius Paulus, who was married to Julia the Younger right. uh, until he was executed for being part of that conspiracy against oh, yes. Augustus. Remember, yes. she was she was put in, sent into exile partly because she was a slut whore, <clears> partly because... Uh, she may have been involved in a conspiracy. I think she was banging one of Mark Antony's grandsons or yes, something. Yes, and, uh, yes, that sounds right. I don't know. I don't uh, remember. But yeah, I know that her husband, Paulus, ended up being arrested and executed for being part of a conspiracy right. against uh, Augustus. Anyway, uh, yes, yeah, Suetonius says that Caligula is said to have had unnatural relations with Marcus <laughs> Lepidus. See, it's um, judging. Obviously, it's too judgy for me. Suetonius had never been to Vegas. <laughs> He's never had uh, a He didn't realise. Right. It's a beautiful yeah, thing. Yeah, well, he didn't realise. Right. It's a beautiful thing yeah. between consenting <laughs> adults. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, oh, I'm not going to touch that. Now, so that's what he said. Suetonius <laughs> claims Caligula would claim that there was nothing in his own character that he admired more than his adiatrepsia. Oh, my goodness. What does adiatrepsia mean, Ray? Yeah, so so in order to answer your question, I, I think it's important to remember that, again, Caligula was on Capri for six years, probably saw some crazy shit at, completely out of his control. And so, the and I think we made this point on the last episode, the citizens of Rome don't really know anything about Caligula, good or bad, because he hasn't been there. So basically the way I thought of it was I almost saw Caligula like the first shock jock. He liked exotic things. He liked upsetting people. He liked uh, upsetting people with his excesses. I think he was just into standing out and just getting a, a, getting a, a jolt out of everybody. So that word... It's a Greek word. We don't have the exact translation because it doesn't carry over. But basically, it's the notion of shamelessness, or as I see it, Australianism. Yeah, that is our uh, national code, <laughs> adiatrepsia. Right. Uh, yes, shamelessness. He, he, this is part of what Macro and Solanus are trying to do. They're trying to curb yeah. his shamelessness and getting him to act more regal. But he, he didn't give a fuck. Right. Uh, as we'll get into. Now, in 37, after he became emperor, he married a woman called Livia Orastilla mm -hmm. for 24 hours. It was like a Vegas deal, basically. Like, you like, and I got married right. for, for 24 hours in Vegas, and then we sobered up and realized this it's is not, uh, well, our wives basically said, yeah, look, you you know, how's this going to work? Right. And we were like, can't we just? They said <laughs> no. no. And we were like, Tax oh, purposes alone. Right. Just can't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Suetonius says, this is the story, it's a great story. He says, at the marriage of Livia Oristilla to Gaius Piso, he, Caligula, attended the ceremony himself. Uh, this is probably the, the thing that's uh, in the film, right. right? He rocks up at the couple's wedding. Yes. Gave orders that the bride be taken to his own house and within a few days divorced her. 
Two years later, he banished her because of a suspicion that in the meantime, she had gone back to her former husband. Others write that being invited to the wedding banquet, he sent word to Pizzo, who reclined opposite to him, don't take liberties with my wife, (laughs) and at once carried her off with him from the table, the next day issuing a proclamation that he had got himself a wife in the manner of Romulus and Augustus. Oh, my God. So... Uh, I mean, the Rom- the Romulus one is obviously, the, you know, uh, the rape of the Sabine right. women. But Augustus, yep. what I guess he he took his own Livia from a married yeah. man. Um, and she was... Liked to... Yeah. She was preggers. She yeah. was pregnant. He liked, yeah. he liked to pick up women uh, at banquets. <laughs> uh, he'd just look around the room and go, you, yeah. me, now, closet, let's go. 30 seconds of heaven. Right. Boom. For me, um, I, I'm not worried about your For orgasm. me, yeah. 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 No, for you, it doesn't matter. Fuck off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Caligula obviously took after Augustus there. His, Deflowering. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> great, great grandfather. Great grandfather? Great, I can't remember. Uh, let me see. Uh, Augustus, Julia. Yeah. Julia. Julia uh, with Agrippa. Because it's Germanicus. Agrippina. Agrippina. Pino. So this is uh, her, like her father. Is, hold on. Julia, her father, her <coughs> grandfather is great. Great grandfather. <laughs> right. Damn. I only have so many fingers. Yeah. This is confusing. It's a good thing you've um, yeah. got fingers. Hmm. But he doesn't stop there. Um he heard, so he, he married, he went to Livia or Stiller's wedding to Guy's Piso, said, mm, no. don't think so, marry me instead, divorced her right. a day or a few days later, then banished her because she went back to her actual husband uh, or former husband or, or guy who was going to be a husband. Right. He goes, no, 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 you can't do that. Once you had the best. You can't go back. You can't go back. <laughs> you got to leave. That's. Yeah. 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 Now, it doesn't stop there. He heard that. A woman called Lolia Paulina, who was a grandmother. Here we're tight. Melf. Who was Sorry. married to Gaius Memmius, an ex-consul who was commanding armies out in the provinces somewhere. He heard that she had once been a remarkably beautiful woman. I, I think the key word there is was, but I'm uh, not Caligula. Uh. So he summoned her <laughs> from the provinces where she was with her husband. Right. Back to Rome. Right. I thought you were say back to her. Uh-huh. And, and married her. Right. Told, divorced her first from her husband, then married her. Uh-huh. Made sweet love. And then a short time later, according to Suetonius, right. uh, put her away, had her put away right. with the command never to have intercourse with anyone. Right. Well, now. Yeah. Hold on. When I say she was a grandmother, she was born in 15. Right. Uh, so she's actually three years younger than him. Uh, that's a. But she was a yeah. grandmother. That's a precocious family, at least sexually speaking. So I guess, hold on. So she's born in 15. She's pregnant by 30. 30. 
38, let's say this is having 15. She's 23. How the fuck okay. do you be a grandmother at 23? Okay, I can do this. If you're pregnant by 14 no. and then your child is mm, it's still stretching it. No. Yeah. How the fuck? I don't know. Romans. Yeah. Kinky. If you had a kid at 12. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. By the time you're 23, that kid would only be 11. Right. And if they've reached, um, if they've started their period, then technically they could become pregnant. It's a little white trash, oh. but. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Hold Uh-oh, on. Oh, have you figured hold it out? Oh, hold on. Yeah. Okay, I may have yep. misread my mis, may have misread my Suetonius here, Ray. Oh, no. that doesn't. Sound Hold right. on. Hold <laughs> on. Good, because I didn't like talking uh, about sex with very young kids. That's not not cool. The grandmother of Lolia Paulina oh. had once been a remarkably beautiful woman. That's why he. Yeah. That's not. Not the gr- yeah. Not that Lolita Polina was a grandmother, but that her grandmother was, was beautiful. Uh, I, that's like going on <laughs> Tinder, making up a false account about yourself, using a fake picture, looking up. A, I don't know anything about Tinder. You're looking at another account with their fake picture, and then just saying, "Meet me in the middle, and we'll have sex." I mean, you don't know what you're getting. What's up with this guy? Well, you know, uh, I, I get it. Like, Do let's you? say. Yeah, let's genes. say Elizabeth Taylor's granddaughter. Right. Oh, okay. My penis is you're what like, you're well, saying listen, now. Right. I can't. I can't fuck Elizabeth Taylor in her prime. No. Uh, like circa, I don't know, nineteen ninety. No, Black Beauty. Was she did Cleopatra? Like circa or Black Beauty. Or... Oh, Cleopatra. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of wet ones out there, my friend. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, a cat in a hot tin roof, Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, Oh, Maggie the cat. Paul Newman. Oh, being a gay husband. She's all sexually frustrated because she's got a closeted gay husband. Yeah. So he's like, well, listen, I can't bang Elizabeth Taylor in her prime. But I mean, I could dig a body. Listen, I'm beyond the laws. I could dig up a body. I can give those bones. If I wasn't Pontifex Maximus. Right, right, right. right, right. Yeah. If I wasn't Pontifex Maximus, I would dig up her corpse. With my penis. Don't get me wrong. Right. (laughs) But but, uh, you're going to have to do. Yeah, that's a strange one. But he did marry her, so she was an empress. Yeah. She was was the empress for a couple of months, six six months, months, I think, maybe. Lolia Paulina. Hung in there. Then he said, sorry, you can't ever have... She's 24, 23, 24, when he... Divorces her and tells her never to have sex with right. anyone ever again. Thanks a lot. Mm. Yeah, Pliny, Pliny the Elder mentions Paulina actually as an example of Roman ostentation. Oh, for wearing a large share of her inheritance to a dinner party in the form of jewelry worth the value of fifty million sesterces. Good, I would have mugged her ass on the streets. That's crazy. Yeah. God. I think that's why Caligula was like, uh, yeah. well, you're now my wife, so all of your jewelry belonged you're to right. me. Now you get the fuck out. Now get the fuck right. out, yeah. And don't ever sleep with anybody again. So thanks yeah. thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Because I, you know, this is the, you've had the best. I don't want you to it's ruin all, the memory. It's all of downhill this. from here. I'm doing you a favor by banning you. So you're welcome. Suetonius also writes that though Sezonia was neither beautiful nor young. Right. And was already mother of three daughters by another. God. Besides being a woman of reckless extravagance and wantonness. Yes. He loved her not only more passionately, but more faithfully, often exhibiting her to the soldiers riding by his side, decked with cloak, helmet and shield, and to his friends, even in a state of nudity. Look, nothing nothing says I love you than than, uh, (laughs) getting you to parade around naked in front of your mates. I'm proud of your body. I'm proud of your body. Tell Chrissy. Exactly. Yeah. Get up there, honey. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's... Uh, listen, come down. Get naked. Because uh, I love you. Yeah. I want to show, show what I'm getting. everyone how much exactly. I and love what you. they're not. Yeah. Exactly. He did not honour her with the title of wife until she had borne him a child, announcing on the self-same mm. day that he had married her and that he was the father of her babe. Right. This babe, whom he named Julia Drusilla... He carried to the temples of all the goddesses, finally placing her in the lap of Minerva and commending to her the child's nurture and training. Yeah. Hmm, did- Minerva really dropped the fucking ball on that one, I gotta say. Like, uh, <laughs> Minerva, like, a couple of years later was like, oh, listen, no, I can't. Oh, yeah. like, I'm really embarrassed. My bad on that one. <laughs> like, when you, when you put her in my lap and did all that, I was. I was distracted. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was playing phone. Angry Birds. Right. Yeah, Angry Birds. Uh, by the way, this week I think was the 10th anniversary of Angry Birds, if uh, anyone out there wants to feel really old. Oh, my God. Uh, now, here's the thing. Uh, oh, hold on. Suetonius goes on. And no evidence convinced him so positively that she was sprung from his own loins as her savage temper, yes. which was even then so violent that she would try to scratch the faces and eyes of the little children <laughs> who played with her. That's my girl. <laughs> Get him. Now, Get him, I'm sorry. Right. Like a, a newborn a newborn baby yeah. was uh, yeah. scratching out the eyes of other... I'm calling bullshit yes, on that, Suetonius. Yeah. She was dead before she was a year old. She's not scratching anybody. Like, she ain't scratching shit, yeah. motherfucker. What are you... What are you saying? She doesn't even know what her hand is, is. So, yeah. Like, it's it's stuff like this right. where Suetonius just completely loses all credibility as an historian. Right. I mean, yeah, come on. Come on, Suetonius. <laughs> but uh, ladies, ladies out there listening to this, uh, I want you to just, okay, stop thinking about threesomes with your brother right. for a second. Please. Um, uh, pay attention. Now, imagine... Mm-hmm. Giving birth, uh, no drugs, right? You know, no C-section. Just, 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 yeah. yeah, giving birth the good old-fashioned way. We God intended the natural right. way, as God intended, right. that puts your life and the life of the baby <laughs> on the line. And then your husband says he wants to name your daughter right. after his sister lover, who had right. recently died or would have been, would die soon. I'm sure one of the people that comes yeah, that's the Mm. Well, he is a Lord yeah. Master, literally. Well, yeah, so. and he's beyond all of the laws. Right. So, what are you going to do? He could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. S- yeah, 
Now, Suetonius also says that when his daughter was born, Caligula raised taxes to pay for her. Well, yeah, kids cost. Come on. I actually agree with that. <laughs> and, and says that he complained that in addition to the burden of sovereignty, I must now shoulder that of fatherhood. <laughs> Look, it's bad enough that I have all the power and all the authority. Oh. Now I have to be a father oh. as well. Oh. I can't do nappies. What do you want from me? I'll run the empire. Blood from a stone, people. Yeah, but no. If you prick me, do I not bleed? <laughs> oh, I'm not a Jew, yeah, but still. I'm not, I'm not doing nappies. I'm just telling you right now. I draw the line. Listen, if I was uh, beyond all the laws and had power, every power and authority, that would have been the first thing I would have said no to. I don't do. do I don't. We, we yeah. Well, we did. I don't know about you guys, but uh, with Fox, Chrissy insisted that we do uh, washable nappies, oh, whatever they're called. God, yes, we did that for yeah. one of them. It was oh. a night. It was a shitty nightmare. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Years Smell. of having to wash yes. shit yes. out of cloth nappies. Mo- motivation oh to god. train the child earlier. Come on, I know you can't control your sphincter yet, but I need you to try. Sorry. I mean, listen. Shit, shit. <laughs> it's all, you know, it is. So it doesn't matter if I love you. Look, you pull, sometimes you pull your dick out of somebody's butthole <laughs> and there's shit on it. That's one thing. You expect it. During the, uh, during the lovemaking process, it's fine. Right. Okay? Somebody else's shit all over you is okay. But uh, <laughs> I draw the line when it comes to babies. Shit. Um, Anyway, so back to the two camps. There were two camps uh, vying to be Caligula's inner circle. The sisters slash lovers and Macro and Salinas. Yes. Then at the eighth month of his reign, at the end of October, the year of 37, Caligula fell gravely ill. Oh, my God. We saw this in the film. Yes. Uh, we, we, we assumed at the time it was because he was sleeping with his horse. <laughs> Never do it. Um, yeah. Never, never a good idea, no. sleeping with your horse. Without a condom. But right. we don't really know, uh, according based on the historical sources, what was wrong with him. No one really has no. a suggestion. We know that it was serious. We know that it lasted a month. Ooh. We know that Rome was terrified that he might die because they didn't know what would happen next. Large crowds gathered around the Palatine Hill every night and prayed to Jesus. Uh, now, he'd only been dead a few years himself, still, so his, yeah. his powers were still at maximum strength. That's true. Uh, I, I don't know if you, you know this about uh, man-gods, but well, after they die, right. that's when they have maximum it's power. It's like fruit, the ripest. Fruit. Right. Or, or it's, like, it's like a battery. <laughs> Uh, when Longinus speared him in the side yeah. with the yeah. see what it wasn't that Jesus's blood gave Longinus's spear the magic powers it was that Longinus's spear gave Jesus I knew that the magic powers and it kind of you know and, and then people were praying like to win the lottery <laughs> that their football team would win this is the that year they would f- right that they would, you know, find their car keys that they lost. Jesus's, you know, miracle powers diminish over time. Yeah. That's why he he hasn't come back. Oh, to recharge. 
Well, he's used up all of his powers. He can't come back now. He needs oh. he needs to recharge in heaven. It's a conundrum. Uh, he he's got like a battery recharger. Right. He needs to. God, God needs to stick he's him. He's got in to stand next to the outlet. Right. Jiggle jig, jig him around. <laughs> he comes back an hour later, and the the red lights just flashing. Mean sorry, we can't even recharge this fucking thing. And he pulls him out, swaps him around with a couple of other Shake, massages. Shakes it up. Yeah. Shakes it. <laughs> taps it. But to puts Come it on. back in. Come on! <laughs> Fuck you! I've only, you know, you've only you're uh, only two thousand uh, years old. Right. You've got to have some more power left in you. Come on! Test it with his tongue. God. Come on! Where's the charge? Come on! Don't don't make me. <laughs> you know, have to build another one. You bring up a good point. If they had waved the spear of destiny over Caligula at this time, he would have been fine. Jumped up out of the bed. All right, let's get back to work. But no, yeah. they didn't have it. Yeah. So. You know, mm, he's got to mm. suffer. Because Hitler, Hitler has stolen <laughs> it already. We're back in a time machine. Stole right. the spirit of destiny. But he, um, yeah. yeah, so Caligula was ill. So um, not good. And obviously the suggestion uh, is that he was maybe poisoned. Ooh. But besides, um, but this is the first year. Has he upset anybody enough? For them to take this drastic step, are there any theories? Because as far as... Well, you mean apart from the guys whose wives he took <laughs> off them and then fucked them well, and then discarded them, telling them never to fuck anyone or marry anyone else ever again? I mean, apart from those guys? <laughs> well, that's just a few. I, I don't think in uh, at the end of October he's, he's went off the deep end yet, has he? So he might have upset a couple of people, but not enough to maybe have a cabal... A cabal uh, organized against him, but I'm asking yeah. about telling. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it, the his worst excesses, uh, if they be true, are yet to come. Right. But he's certainly, you know, it's he's 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 running around fucking women, yeah. other men's wives is, on their wedding days, <laughs> stealing tacky. them away, that is fucking tacky. them, discarding them. Yeah, he's like napkins. He, he, He's fucking his sisters. Yeah. He's uh, he's he's kind of not listening to the guys that are trying right. to tell him to come. Maybe maybe Macro and Solanas just went. All right, yeah. listen, it's coming look, off the uh, tracks. Ob- yeah. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Like he's six months, eight months in. He's already off the tracks. Uh, let's let's nip this thing in the bud. We've got a backup. Right. We've got Gamellus. now. Coincidentally. Yes. Uh, as I said before, Gamellus's birthday was in October, so Gamellus turned eighteen. Oh, he's ready in October when Caligula falls ill. Yes. So they might have gone. Well, you know, we got the backup now. Not that eighteen was a special age in but Rome. Still, it was fifteen when you got your but he's a little older. Uh, there was some other coincidences as well, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll get into that later. I just want people to know that this happened and it was a big deal. He's only been emperor eight months. He becomes very ill. Right. And uh, when while he was sick, whether or not they caused the situation, Macro and Salinas apparently prepared for the worst and started putting the wheels in motion to have Gamellus declared his successor if... Caligula should, uh, you know, pass away, and obviously uh, he didn't. They may have acted a little <laughs> too soon. But 
I'm glad you brought that up because we just spent the last episode and, it, and we really didn't touch on everything we could have. But as far as we know, Macro worked very hard to make this a smooth transition as far as the troops and all the stuff outside of Rome. And as far as we know, Solanus probably did his part inside of Rome. So these guys are thinkers, they're planners, they're plotters. And so when you're emperor, it doesn't matter that he's 24 and a half years old or whatever, or almost 25, but the point is he is seriously ill. He's been ill for weeks. These guys are just going to be prudent because they're the deep state. They're the ones who are enjoying the favor of the current emperor. If he's going to die, and I kind of hope he doesn't die because whatever, but if he dies, then they might lose their influence. And so, yeah, it only makes sense to start having conversations, even if it's amongst yourselves and a few others, about Gemellus. Um, we need to plan this stuff out. There can be no surprises. And if he does die, this has to happen so quickly and so smoothly that no one else has a chance to come along and quite honestly take our place. So I think it's logical for them to have conversations about Gamellus, but maybe they did go too far, or maybe it's going to be read the wrong way if and when Caligula bounces back. But I, I think it's only prudent to have these conversations because it is the empire that they have to keep running after all. And of course, if he did die, it would put his sisters and Lepidus in a dangerous situation. So like if anyone's running around looking for the spear of destiny, it's those two or four. <laughs> At this point. Right. But more on more on all that later. Yeah. Before the illness, Caligula enjoyed his favourite pastimes. We were talking about his shamelessness before. Right. And one of the things that he liked, according to the ancient sources, was spectacular, uh, which included gladiator trials, horse racing, gambling, and going to the theatre. These were his fav- favourite pastimes. And in fact, one of the most famous gladiator stories of all comes from the time of Cal- Caligula. And this is the story of Androclus and the Lion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you want to you tell the Androclus and the Lion story, Ray? Yeah, I love the story because I, I heard, you know, I remembered a little bit from Bible school like 40 years ago, but I enjoyed this very much. So, uh, and I actually was looking over um, George Bernal Shaw's play of this. So I'll get into that in a second because there's a part that ties back to the documentary that you made. So Androculus is a fugitive Christian tailor who's accompanied by his nagging wife, and they're on the run from the Roman persecutors. So they're hiding, they're trying to get away, and they encounter a wild lion. But um, Androculus figures out that this lion has got a wounded paw, but it doesn't matter because his wife is freaking out, so she runs away to leave her husband to die, which to me proved that it was a true story. Anyways, so Androculus sees that the lion is wounded. He uses baby language to calm the lion down. As you do, that's how I talk to a lion. And he takes the thorn out. So a little later, Androculus is captured. He is sent to the Colosseum. And he is with a group of victims that are going to be sacrificed. But one of the other people in the group, whose name is Ferovius who was a newly converted Christian, is obviously a badass, and he kills all the gladiators that have been sent to slaughter this group in the Colosseum. In fact, he's so good at his job, he has offered a job as a, in the Praetorian Guard, and he says, yes, everybody's happy, everybody's pleased, it looks like it's going to be a pleasant ending. However, the Christians who are about to be released because we've had this turn of events— it doesn't exactly please the crowd. They want blood. They paid good, hard-earned money for blood, so they want to see some blood. So Androculus, the Christian, 
offers himself up to the lions so his friends or his newly made friends can be spared. And it turns out, fuck me, if it's not the same lion that he helped uh, in the past who had the, the, the thorn in the paw. The man and the lion, I shit you not, actually do a dance in the middle of the uh, Coliseum. They do the electric slide, the tango, the Macarena. The crowd is happy. Everybody's rejoicing. Now, the emperor can't believe his eyes, and this is supposedly Caligula. He comes down in there, and the lion says, fuck you, this is all your fault. The lion goes after him, but Androculus stops the lion. The emperor is saved. And the emperor says, after this, you know what? I've had a change of heart. There will no longer be persecutions of the Christians. This is the George Bernal play, obviously. And Androculus and the lion leave together happily ever after. And I'm going to let you jump in in a second, but I I found this out and and I thought it would be interesting to get your comment on it. Because this play is not very long, when George uh, Bernard Shaw wrote it, he had a long preface before it. And what it is, is in his preface, he would give a long examination of the Gospels. And he went on, he uh, would state that the teachings of Jesus were lost with his crucifixion. And in fact, the Christian churches that fought, that followed after the, the crucifixion are instead based on the teachings and philosophies of Paul or Barabbas. So they're not the ones that uh, we supposedly got from Christ in the first place. So there was another person who, besides you in your documentary, was saying, yeah, you know what? We're not even following the original lessons. Those have been lost. We're listening to Paul at this point. I just, I just enjoy mm. that very much. Mm. Well, good telling of the story. That's a, a, a bit of a <clears throat> more modern version right. of it. The earliest surviving version of the story goes no, back. Goes after Cicero, one seventy seven <laughs> CE. Right. It's in a book called Attic Nights, written by Aulus Gellius. But he claims he read the story. Right. In a work called Egypt Decorum, Wonders of Egypt, which was written by a guy called Apion, mm. going way, way back. Now, Apion supposedly claimed to have personally witnessed this event sure. in Rome. Right. The, the event of Androclus and the lion uh, and them sort of shaking hands and doing a dance <laughs> in, in the Colosseum. Now, obviously, Christianity was uh, nothing at this stage. He he claims that he saw this during the reign of Caligula. Right. Um, so Christianity was like fifteen guys and uh, a dog at this stage. So, uh, but we know we do know that th- throwing criminals to wild beasts was was a thing yes. in ancient Rome. Um, so yeah. But that's the story, yeah. There's no wife in that. There's no Christianity in the original version, the oldest version that we oh, have right, anyway. Right, He's just a, he's a guy who's, I think he's a runaway slave, and he uh, comes across the lion, pulls the thorn out of its foot, meets it again in the Colosseum, and the lion refuses to attack him, and Aww. they become friends. Oh, and they dance. And no dance. Oh. Um, you know, he's actually, everyone dances. It's like a flash mob comes out and... Uh, no, but the story is that uh, the... They, they became best friends. Appian reckons he would see them uh, walking around Rome together. The emperor released both sure. of them. Caligula, just this is. Just a lion walking around. And they would, they, yeah. yeah, they would be seen just walking around uh, Rome together. Yeah, yeah, going drinking, arm in arm. <laughs> he said, I, f- I fucking saw this shit. I, I kid you not. Anyway, I want to talk about Appian, though. All right. 
because he's an interesting guy. Now, remember in an earlier episode, I talked about how the Jews of Alexandria sent Philo to Caligula to complain about their treatment. Well, the Egyptians of Alexandria sent a pion to Caligula to complain about the Jews. Jews. Uh Uh-huh. Everybody's complaining. Yeah. Yeah. He was a Hellenized Egyptian from Alexandria who later settled in Rome, lived in Rome, right. which is where he saw uh, Androcolus and the lion walking around uh, getting into mischief. <laughs> None of his works survive, unfortunately, oh. including The Wonders of Egypt, but, but he apparently wrote a lot of books, including a biography on Alexander the Great sure. and a work against the Jews. Ooh. Now... I was surprised to read up on this. I didn't realise that these sorts of anti-Semitic works were being written against the Jews as far back as Caligula's reign. Like we're talking the the mid forties, right? Early to well, early forties. Sorry, the late thirties, early forties. Right. Um, this book was written, probably um, uh, uh, fascinating, because in particular. Because there's an accusation of blood libel in oh, this book. God. Now, we we don't have his book, but we do have Josephus's response to the book. Now, Josephus, you remember, is a, a Jew who, mm-hmm. who uh, went over to the Romans, uh, you know, under Trajan of Vespasian and, and, and became a sellout, right. basically, and, and wrote a couple of major histories on the antiquities of the Jews and, and the Jewish war against the Romans, which he had personally fought in. Right. Um, and he wrote a book that's known as Against Appion, where he basically uh, is a rebuttal, I guess, okay. against Appion's attacks against the Jews. Now, Appion apparently called bullshit on the history, quote-unquote, contained in the Jewish scriptures. Mm-hmm. He says, look, it's all made up. It's not real. None of that actually happened, which Josephus defends. But, of course, most modern historians today also call bullshit on their history. Like, they don't oh. believe Abraham existed. They don't believe Moses existed. There's no uh, no archaeological evidence for 40 years in the wilderness and the march and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, it's all, I mean, yes, there's, there was probably some tribes that came out of Ur, which is where Abraham's supposed to come, like Mesopotamia, Iraq, uh, went over to Syria, Canaanites, broke away from the Canaanite religions, took a minor Canaanite god, Yahweh, and turned him oh, into their own god, etc., right. etc. Et and they battled with other tribes and that kind of stuff. But the, in terms of the like the the historical content of the the Talmud, it's considered to be Nonsense, gotcha. right, um, by most historians today. Now, so Appion was right on that count, but Josephus says that Appion also made accusations against the Jews of blood libel. Now, we've talked about this, mm-hmm. I think, on our uh, Renaissance show oh. and maybe the Cold okay, War show where we've right. been doing the stuff about Israel. Yeah. But, yeah, mostly we talked about in the Renaissance show. Blood libel was where the Christians during the Middle Ages, would accuse the Jews of human sacrifice Mm -hmm. as being part of their worship. Uh, So whenever somebody died, a prominent person in a town or a kid of a prominent person died, 
the cry would go up that the Jews did it and there would be a pogrom against the Jews. Usually if the Jews in that city had some wealth and some money and some property, the Christians would use it to uh, kill the Jews or or exile them, run them out of town and take all their shit. I didn't realise it went back this far, though. Now, this is what um, Josephus writes. He says... Appion becomes other men's prophet upon this occasion and says that Antiochus found in our temple a bed, a man lying upon it with a small table before him full of dainties from the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the dry land. He fell down upon his knees and begged to be released and that when the king bid him sit down and tell him who he was and why he dwelt there and what was the meaning of those various sorts of food that were set before him, the man made a lamentable complaint and with sighs and tears in his eyes gave him this account of the distress he was in and said that he was a Greek and that as he went over this province in order to get his living, he was seized upon by foreigners on a sudden and brought to this temple and shut up therein and was seen by nobody and was fattened by these curious provisions thus set before him. And that truly at the first such unexpected advantages seemed to him matter of great joy that after a while he inquired of the servants that came to him and was by them informed that it was in order to the fulfilling of a law of the Jews, which they must not tell him, and that he was thus fed. And that they did the same at a set time every year. That they used to catch, they used to catch a Greek foreigner, and fat him thus up every year, and then lead him to a certain wood and kill him and sacrifice with their accustomed solemnities and taste taste of his entrails and take an oath upon the sacrificing a Greek that they would ever be at enmity with the Greeks. And that then they threw the remaining parts of this miserable wretch into a certain pit. Oh, God. So that is amazing. Yeah. So they, they, they were accusing the Jews of fattening this guy up so they could sacrifice him to their God and eat his entrails. <laughs> this is written in the middle of the first century CE. Right. So no wonder it's hmm. been so bad for them for 2,000 years because if they're doing that, then, yeah, they're blaming them for everything. And, and they're thinking the worst of the Jews, so... It's okay to kill him. Well, I don't know that they were doing that. I don't think there's any evidence that Jews were doing human sacrifice no, no, at that no. stage. That, but they might have been. Now, here's the thing. Here we go. <laughs> no, no. Now, here's the thing. So there wasn't one Judaism back oh. then. There were there were different forms of Judaism. Right. We know from Josephus that there were, he mentions four major divisions. He talks about the Sadducees, Mm -hmm. the Pharisees, the Essenes, Mm -hmm. who were out in Qumran with their Dead Sea Scrolls, and a fourth group that he doesn't name. But but, uh, I think are normally assumed to be the, uh, the assassins. Okay. And... The, the violent uh, messianic cults. Now, also, by the time he was writing this, Josephus, the Christians were another division because uh, oh, they were Jews. Right. They were a breakaway. So what, like, you know, there's always been, there's never been one single Christianity. There's always been multiple, you know, lots and lots of hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. um, of different factions or, or, or sects of Christianity. They all have their own weird beliefs, and, and they all think they're the real ones. The Jews were the same, and the Christians came out of, obviously, the Jews. Similar sort of thing. So we 
in the same way that Christianity came out of Judaism in the middle of the first century, just basically uh, coming up with their own version, they took a little bit of Judaism and a little bit of Hellenistic religion and a little bit of uh, other pagan sort of religion, mm-hmm. uh, which is where the whole the I think I've talked about this before the the Eucharist, right? Like um, th- this bread is my body, this uh, wine is my blood. Oh. That's straight out of Pagan gotcha. agricultural Dionysus type worship. You know, you're eating the the grain mm-hmm. and the the, the the grapes, the blood of Dionysus, and this kind of stuff. It seems like that version of Christianity that Paul either invented or, or was certainly the leader of is sort of the syncretist combination of Judaism and Hellenistic and other pagan religions, cults of Isis and Dionysus and all that kind of stuff uh, mixed in together. Mm-hmm. It's quite possible. Uh, to me, that there was other small Judean or Jewish cults, sorry, that were around at the time, maybe in Alexandria, that had gone back to human sacrifice. Now, we know the Jews used to practice human sacrifice. That's evident in the the Old Testament. Right. Uh, so maybe there was a group of Jews going, you know what, let's bring it back. Uh, we're bringing human sacrifice <laughs> back, baby, because obviously right. what we're doing ain't ain't working. Yeah, we're being oppressed by the by the the Romans, and before the Romans, it was the Greeks, and before the Greeks, it was the Persians, yeah. and before the Persians, it was the Babylonians. We've been In oppressed for kicked. centuries. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, what we're doing is not working. This is why why Christianity was invented in the first place, because the Jews were trying to figure out how to reinvent Ju- uh, Judaism. Uh, because it wasn't working. How how do we how do we tweak it? Right. What are the tweaks we need to do to get God to come and save us? Because obviously he's not yeah. he's not happy with right. us. So I Appion was right about the fact that the history was bullshit. He may have also been right about this. Oh. It just wasn't a form of Judaism that Josephus either was familiar with or wanted to. Acknowledge exactly. and and admit. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really talk about the Christians either, Selective. even though they were a Jewish cult yeah. as well. Yeah. He briefly mentions maybe in one section something to do with Crestus and a group, but he doesn't doesn't go into detail about them being a breakaway group of Jews. Right. Maybe because he was embarrassed, maybe because he didn't know much about them. Um, we don't know. So anyway, that's my take on Appian and I guess uh, Androcolus and the lion, uh, and we have to leave it there. Yeah, leave it lying around. We will be back next week with uh, episode nine. Uh, stay safe, people. Right in the balls. Oh, don't get me started on the Native Americans. Oh my God. I probably shouldn't say that because I'll get in trouble. Okay, we don't have racism anymore, but back then, a lot of racism. Suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. Hey, that, ow, that hurt. Amen.